Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey Neat. Uh, spirited conversations with interesting people. I'm your host, Christopher Hart. I say that this week's fun every single week. I will tell you that this week is no exception. Um, I, I'm tempted to, and I said this in the episode, I'm tempted to title this episode. Uh, is this part going to be on the radio? Yes. Okay. Well, be ready for this. I'm tempted to title this episode, Who the Fuck is Sarah Troxel? Uh, Sarah is someone who's been in this industry for uh, quite a few years, has made quite the impact, and has a bit of a disability that's kind of uh, a hindrance. That So it's amazing that she's come as far as she has for someone who has this hindrance, which we'll get into the episode. But there's this all-female cocktail competition which we've talked about in the show called uh well we've talked about all of them we've talked about it, most imaginative bartender bacardi legacy and there's another one this one's all female called speed rack uh as you will learn in the episode it's a reference to three things uh speed rack it's a competition that has to do with you know timeliness making cocktails in a certain way uh faster it's, it's a time constrained thing but it's also a competition that benefits breast cancer obviously rack as you will find out in the episode is a it's a triple entendre so to speak uh the competition uh, also refers to a device that's used in bars, a speed rack, which is uh, you have a well where you keep all your ice and there's normally all your well drinks are kept hanging off of that where you keep all your, your, your well drinks, your well whiskey, your well rum. That's called a speed rack. So it's a competition that's done nationally at, I think, eight different cities. And Sarah won this region. She's from Houston. She works here. She's a bar manager at Nobis. She also does sh- Sarah Shrubs. She has her own business. And she competed for this southern region and beat out a couple dozen women and killed it and is going to nationals uh, in May in Chicago. So Sarah has someone that I've, I've known about for a few years, but we've never, we've kind of always been on the edge of each other, not, not quite interacted too much. So I was. This was all the reason I need to get her in here and just kind of learn about her, to talk to her, and of course to have Elise back on. And Elise, as you know, I've mentioned her in the last few episodes. Elise is our our sponsor here with McAllen. Um, she's the South Texas, or she's her job is expanding, but she's in charge. Uh, she sponsors this show. So this episode is sponsored by McAllen and Highland Park. That being said, as I've mentioned many times, um, I can I can say what I want. And uh, she's fantastic. This episode was a bit political in the sense that uh, I've noticed that there are some things that have happened recently in regards to being a female in this industry. And look, we've said this before. When people think of scotch, they think of rich old white guys. And so when you have a young, I'll say alpha female, someone that's uh, extroverted, well-spoken, that is really projected, then uh, I, believe it or not, you know, I, I typically err on the side of, of not leaning towards assuming the worst in people. But a recent situation popped up on another podcast in which Elise was kind of attacked and kind of written off. And it was very clearly a sexist thing. So we do get a little political in this episode. I, I And she didn't want to discuss it. I told her I was going to bring it up anyways. Um, I think she handled it very diplomatically, but long story short, this episode is about drinking scotch with Sarah Troxel and kind of discussing what speed rack is and what it really means. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, jumping into, we got a few more reviews on, uh, iTunes. I really appreciate it. The whiskey social is in full swing. I sent out an email recently for those of you who don't know that we are, very quickly running out of VIP tickets. We capped them this year for the first time ever because we just, the majority of the tickets are VIP and it was just it was too much, it was too overwhelming. So those have been mitigated. We were down the last couple dozen. Uh, actually, by the time you're hearing this, they're probably going to be gone because we're two weeks out right now, I think. So definitely get it while you can. Check into it. There may still be some left. HoustonWhiskeySocial.com and I think that pretty much covers everything. Yep, cool. All right, guys. Uh, 
You know, I always, you want me to say it. I always, always try to plan and then I forget. This week's episode, as I've already said, features Sarah Troxell and Elise Blackman from McAllen and Highland Park. Cheers. I'm not used to being this professional. I'm supposed to be the host of a, you know, a serious sure. show or whatever. And even the episode we did last week with Aiden, uh, I, it was so much fun. I, yeah. I'm not into wrestling, but when I found out. Really? That, yeah. How? It's not really How'd my. How did you miss that? Did you sleep through the 90s? And no, no. I, so we talk about that. I, I was into it when I was in junior high and then right. I, and then I liked girls. So then I stopped getting it. Girls <laughs> so didn't I all stopped. like it. There was some girls that watched it. I watched WWE and I watched like Monday Night Raw. I was the WWF and then it changed to WWE. Yeah. I, like I was in that era in, in yeah, around like 2000. Stephanie and the Ed McMahon versus The Rock and Triple H was really cool. Uh, do, do, I, Big so Stone we, Cold Steve Austin fan. We yeah, talk about so. Triple H, but there's a we didn't mention this last week, but there was a particular brother sister duo that wore like Jinkos <laughs> and chain wallets, and it was what? like it was very uh, not emo, but it was they had dyed hair, sure, and they were a, re- a real skinny uh, wrestling tag team duo, right? And I I couldn't remember their name, but that was my era. It was like 2000 to 2005, cool, maybe late 90s, but. But that was also his era because we're the same age. So we had this conversation that just kind of spiraled into to two full hours of us enjoying both this and reminiscing about where we got our start. In we wrestling. could almost go down the rabbit hole now, so we should veer off. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Like ready to yeah. talk <laughs> clotheslines versus people's elbows. Yeah, DDTs. <laughs> so uh, well, well. Glad we escaped. That. Thanks, awesome. thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having. Um, it was it was a really fun episode. Ben was amazing, and uh, I really, really, really enjoyed. For as a being on this side, mm-hmm. really enjoyed the episode, and we got a lot of great traction on. So sure did. Ben's um, a really nice guy. I hope he's doing well. He moved to like Pennsylvania or some I know, he's stupid opposite nonsense. Opposite snowbird, it's picked a bad time, man. It's cold there. Oil and gas industry sucks. Um, and then Sarah, I've been hearing a lot about you for quite some time. I thought about dubbing this episode, "Who, uh, Who the F is Sarah Troxel," but 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 not as like a, but not but not as like an insult. But like but, in a Carmen Sandiego sort right, of way. Like, correct. Right. Whoa. Every right. everyone right. that that knows anything about the bar and cocktail industry knows who you are. Yeah. And and I've always known who you were tangentially, uh, but I uh, but I it's like I'm not I don't deserve to to meet you or to <laughs> no, talk that's to not you. True. Um, but you, you've made uh, quite the name for yourself. I locally. know, and it happened. I feel like it happened quickly. I don't know. It all was just me really falling in love with this career and working hard and doing stuff. And I can't, you know, it's hard for me to articulate how it happened. I don't know. Well, I, well, I, it's easier to articulate with drinks. So let's do that. <laughs> let's start with a drink. Um, okay. I just stopped on the. Did you have something you want to start with, or? No, let's hit it with Highland Park. Okay, yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna start with the fifteen only because I don't you don't see this on the shelf much you don't anymore. Don't see it a lot on the shelf. And uh, I stopped at Rice F- Rice Fine Wine and Liquor in <laughs> Bel Air mm-hmm. on the way here because it's right around the corner. And I was like, I need to get something. And I was like, Oh my god, you still have Highland Park fifteen on the shelf. So it's good stuff. Uh, and it's still like crazy cheap. It's like the two thousand thirteen prices. Right. So. Yeah. So this is something we released in twenty sixteen, and it's kind of. Um, well, it's very delicious, but you don't. You don't often get to see it. So Cool. I was going to say treat. I haven't seen this. Are you a Peated Whiskey fan whiskey. at all? Yes. Yeah. And I think you were saying I that like you, the you, full spectrum. You, you can't smell this. I can't this. smell. Can't smell peat. Does that affect the way that you taste? Does it still taste like peated, smoky I, deadness? It definitely affects the way I taste. I think my palate is a lot more muted now because I don't have a sense of smell and it like every it's not no secret that you most of your senses are from your nose so I can taste the peat but it's definitely probably not as aggressive to me as it would be yeah, to somebody maybe else it just triggers your palate differently differently like you perceive things differently I perceive right? balance and texture more than I do nuance and flavor right so uh, so and just in case anyone's like just picking up you didn't blink or miss anything we just kind of casually stepped into the fact that Sarah's a beast in a industry where she is absolutely required to succeed by her mouth and her sense of smell. Obviously we're tasting and making cocktails sure. yep. and she doesn't have that. So uh, we just kind of casually tipped over that and I hope that you'll explain it a little bit yeah, more, but it's, can... it's baffling to me. It still blows my mind. I, I was going to dig deeper just for the record, but I'm yeah. glad you said something. Yeah. yeah. No, just I want to make sure I'm doing it. my job. Dude, we would Chris. get there. Yeah. So uh, I, 
I thought about asking this before and then I stopped myself. Uh, was this a born thing? Did you break your nose? Actually, no. So <clears throat> it's basically a result of severe allergies and sinus inflammation. So for, I was trying to pin it back to probably three-ish years ago, I started getting a lot of chronic sinus infections and I wasn't sure what was happening and I started seeing an allergist and the allergist definitely helped with my seasonal allergies, but it didn't necessarily help with the sense of smell. Sure. So... Recently, I've been seeing an ENT, and he did a CAT scan, and basically, where there's supposed to be air moving through my sinuses, it's all tissue and polyps and gross stuff that sure, is, like, sure. blocking. Basically, the your, where you smell is, like, really high up in your nose, those sure. sense receptors, so it's just so swollen that I smell nothing. So, so nothing surgery good, nothing or, bad. or lots of drugs, what's the solution? Surgery. <laughs> yeah surgery is and happening then, in a couple weeks actually i'm very excited so when i'm on steroids and antibiotics for a sinus infection it this inflammation in my sinuses go down so i can smell during that window, seven to ten days sure so i know it's not gone forever which is like great great yeah it's <laughs> yeah. A good thing. yeah yeah so and, and so the ent basically thinks that after two weeks i'll be like at 90 percent smelling and breathing it's like asthma it's all related to my sinus is being like completely clogged basically i've known a few well in my experience there's only most people i know that don't have a sense of smell is because of injury i right. I, you know i i one time got my nose broke my wife and it's since i've known my wife so i used to have like this perfect <laughs> nose and she used to say it was perfect and then i got it broken and she even to this day will bring up the fact that she misses my whole nose <laughs> So, but but it does it doesn't affect my well I it does R.I.P. perfect nose yeah yeah it does affect my sense of smell like I don't think I she will constantly notice things that I don't. am not noticing yeah and I don't mean like nuances in whiskey I mean uh, in the house yeah she'll be like your closet stinks or something right. I'm like I've I had no idea <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, I just assumed you know either birth or or right and I've known a few guys to put fireworks up there in college and no. and now they can't smell anything yeah. either. Yeah. So. No, it's not, you know. But the end is in, is in sight, hopefully, for me. And the, the beginning is in sight. The beginning, yeah. you're right. You're yeah, right. A new beginning. I'm actually kind yeah. of excited. Right. I think about it like gonna, I made a joke with Sarah that it's going to be the moment in Wizard of Oz where she opens the door and it's Technicolor for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Like that's yeah. how yes. it's going to That's feel. how I'm going to feel, for sure. And you guys actually go back a while, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, we've known each other now for... A really long time. Actually, I met Sarah when I was at the Bad News Bar back in maybe, what, Four or five years ago? 2016. Yeah. And maybe I was really getting into shrubs. Shrubs were cool. Shrubs were like this cocktail culture... Um, trend that were happening. It was essentially creating so it's a sort of a sustainable approach to using all of your ingredients that might otherwise turn. So you basically create this sort of vinegar-based Fermented fruit syrup, basically. Right. Yeah. And so I met Sarah through my search for making shrubs because I wasn't very good at it. I followed all the instructions in my shrubs book, but it wasn't great. And somebody said, well, there's a girl named Sarah Troxel. She started in the kitchens and she has a shrub company called Sarah Shrubs. And so I reached out to her and she dropped off a few samples and we slowly but surely became very good friends. Yep. Yeah, the photo that was used in speed rack competition, which we'll get to in a minute, is a picture of you, and you're in the background. Um, what was it? So it's That's all over Facebook. That's usually how it goes, and I was like, "What's Sarah doing?" Well, Sarah? It's all over Facebook, and and to me, I guess it, it 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 alludes to the fact that you used to be in the industry, in the bar industry, like before you became this superstar McCallum rep, um, <laughs> or you. or uh, your official title. And I, I always, I never remember official titles. South. Texas regional McAllenite. Almost. McAllenite. Oh. I'm actually going to be expanding in March to take over the state. So I'll I be did your, hear that. Your Texas state McAllen ambassador probably. So so you you're I'm you're so one of, of the. Thank you. I am I am also equally proud of you. Thanks, you guys. Um, Thank you. You're one of those people that is. Uh, who did I have? Oh, Averin. Uh, two episodes. Averin Edwards, who's in charge of like twelve states, and mm -hmm. I told him I was like you're one of those reps that's a little bit easier to get a hold of than those that also have a lot on their plate. Mm -hmm. And I found my rhythm with you and that's text messages past midnight. Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. like trying to get a hold of you during the day is I impossible. But yeah. when I work overnight, I know I can like shoot you a text at like 11 and you immediate response. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so you're, um, it's just a matter of like syncing up schedules and, mm -hmm. and, and there's other reps that it's the opposite. I'll get a 5am text. Because they're, they're up they're like up. at 5 a.m. just do 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 Yeah, um, I'm a little all over the place. Some days it starts early, but yet my communication skills need warming up. And a lot of times, like we all know the way that 
especially in Texas, I found, or Houston specifically, a lot of what we call our accounts, but bars and restaurants and places I like to go and sit or otherwise do business don't open and get going until a bit later. Sure, sure. You know, a lot of times it's me coordinating that, the practice of those other people that I directly work with more often than not, the on-premise individuals, Sarah, they they go to work late and they stay up late and they handle their business later than usual. So when we're talking about, you know, I would love to come in and, and taste you, I don't get responses until... 11 p.m., sure. 12, maybe even two, three after shift, and they're wrapping up. So I almost kind of cater to that, and I understand it. And yeah, I've been trained that over person, 10 years yeah. of sure. staying up quite late. Um, well, there's to, there's to always a it. surge of uh, my friends. My friends list is uh, blowing up. It's it's my my friends list over the past like year and a half is is largely industry, largely on premise industry mm-hmm. bartenders. Uh, or, or mixologists, whatever would be the appropriate term. Sarah and I just shifted uh, immediately yeah. and looked at each other. We don't like that word. Mixologist or um, bartender? Mixologist. mixologist. Okay, so what what would be the preferred word? Bartender. Okay, thank God. Okay, it's because... something. It's I mean, mixology is like maybe if we took the umbrella of what a bartender is, they're an amalgam of skill sets. I think of Chris Morris with a like a tw- with, twisty mustache. Sure, there might be like an archetype for what our belief steampunk is. Steampunk leather. Like, that word to me uh, means aprons. that you can craft a well balanced and you're, you know, you're conscious of quality of ingredients and you're creating sort of a new tradition when it comes to the drinking culture. That's one pillar underneath what a bartender does. A bartender is also a facilitator of a safe space sure. and a, you know, a party starter and a responsible, you know, drinker and influencer. Right. And so there's all sorts of things. And so when we categorize ourselves as just like, I'm really great at doing the thing that, yeah, obviously I should already be good at if I'm working towards cocktails. Sure. It's not enough. Like, are you well, good at taking care of, of guests? Or is your hospitality on point? Like, that's what's really another point of pride for people that bartend. We, we, but we, and not to, don't read into the, what I'm about to say more than what I'm specifically saying. Okay. But uh, we, we do live in an era where, where people want a specific, more meaningful name behind uh, whatever they're doing, right? When I sure. was 17 and I worked at Subway, we preferred sandwich artists. Sure. Right. Right. Uh, bartending is is an old term and the mixologist was like the hip thing. Mm-hmm. And now people kind of cringe at that word, just like any other popular word that becomes kind of cringeworthy. Yeah. And I think that it comes back to like having confidence in, in what it is that you're doing. I think I've thought a lot about it, right? As Often, more often than not, especially the way that it's very good. I forgot good. how much of a peat bomb this I is. haven't really tasted it yet, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I have, but not right in this moment. I'm kind of saving up and keep bringing it up. And then I'm like, no, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. Um, but I thought a lot about it when I was bartending because I started to bartend to go get through school. It was something that matched my college sure. course load. It was something that helped me pay for my tuition. And it, you know, it was more or less I could vibe with my workload. Um, and so you're always sort of doing it beginning wise i mean i don't think you just stroll into death and company and get a get a job for the first <laughs> right. time you build your way up and it's dive bars sports pubs you know regional chains and those sorts of things and then you filter what it is that you want to do and if you continue into this bartending career you're moving past this idea that we all culturally have that it is a stepping stone or a springboard to the real job that you want to have I, i've been i've been guilty of that but, I've but been it guilty isn't of, right of categorizing it as a i think i called it a, um, a, a stepping stone because uh, I, I worked in the industry be. for a while, and it and yes, for some people it might be, and for a lot of people that's uh, that may be like you know, like you said, you're doing it while you're in school, right? Uh, but the one thing I've seen and proven time and time again, especially the last few years, is this whole other side of the industry that is uh, that jumps head first and and uh, like it becomes their blood. Like right. I mean, uh, the Chris Morris is the the freaking Terry over at Anvil, like yep. these people who have just, and then of the course of people that go from there over to the other side of it, you know. Sure. Uh, but you the Bobby Hugels. Yeah, world. I think Jesus that when we all started in the same. Like Bobby started in nightclubs. By the way, Bobby started in nightclubs. <laughs> Terry started at Olive Garden. I started at the Fox and the Hound uh, and Sherlock's. And Terry Dave. started at Olive Garden. Yeah. So these are things like we all started Girl, at a the time next time where I'm at Anvil, I'm asking for breadsticks. I swear to God. <laughs> You're all family here. We're all family yep. here, right? At the Olive Garden. Not to give enough away about my friends, like it's it's an incredible feat. And really what I want to outline is the fact that we all start at some place. And the difference between your favorite bartender and who they were when they began is their commitment to their craft. And it's not that everybody who is a bartender can eventually become 
who sits in front of you and sure. provides you with your best experience. That's the difference is when you, you know, you take anything seriously enough to educate and enrich yourself and those around you and commit yourself to a craft that's incredibly physically daunting and mentally daunting as well. You set the the par for professionalism versus this is a stepping stone sure. or a hobby or well, and you know I the difference too. It. I mean, you see the people who kind of fall out of it or 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 they're not focused in that sense. No, I'm with you 100. It, it, not, and I don't mean to imply that those people who aren't in it for the long haul aren't giving it their all. But, but I think that you know when I first started wanting to do like the whiskey stuff here, it was very industry rim like right. not not part it's even now it's still not part of the industry but there there's enough uh overlap that i'm starting to see this whole other world that i think a lot of people don't see unless you're involved in it yeah and uh there's just this whole other world and w- which i love and what we've tried to do with the show is we got zachary cherbach and Dwayne in to talk about bacardi legacy sure. uh we've had pasha in a few times who's the man uh, of i mean pasha, pasha, pasha. pasha is amazing <laughs> Uh, but, but I've wanted to, and I know that I think Eric, what, Eric, what's Eric eating? I can't get that right. Uh, what's Eric eating? Yeah. Yeah. I think that has covered some of this stuff more too. French. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I've uh, specifically wanted to kind of open up, especially when we have a big group like HBS, the you know, 5,200 people who a lot of them, the group encompasses both consumer, all four tiers right. of the system, right. all the buyers, anyone <coughs> who's anyone who knows anything. But but there is still this disconnect between your regular consumer and then your, your people who jump in, who live the everyday right. life of it. So um, that's what I wanted to do with this show is to have you on. And, and uh, we still haven't got to this yet, but I, it's okay because uh, I really I, – I wanted to get the backstory about how – because it was very apparent whenever you won a Speed Rack that, that you – not only love and adore her, but that you had her back. And I saw your That's post mutual. at like at two o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> where no I saw deal. your I saw your post and I thought, oh, okay. Well, what I hadn't heard of speed rack. I heard of Bacardi Legacy. I heard sure. of Most Imaginative Bartender. I hadn't heard of speed rack. So I started looking into it, and I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of amazing. Yeah, so it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, that's why we're here today. Yep. Yeah. So congratulations, Sarah Troxel, Miss Speed Rack Texas. Miss Speed Rack Texas. One thing I try to be cautious of is that there's a big audience who has no idea what, what I'm talking about right. when we say that. So what does that mean? What is uh, and and I meant to tell you this before we get started, but I'm gonna tee up some answers that I already questions I already know the oh, answers okay. to. But I still want you to explain That's as cool. if as if I'm an idiot because I am. That's not true. So um, <laughs> she's such a good friend already. <laughs> um, well, you know, Speed Rock is a national female speed bartending charity. We're on season eight this year. Um, they've raised almost a million dollars. They donate to a group of breast cancer charities involving research, preventative healthcare, um, providing assistance to women in the industry. It's an amazing organization just on that level. Um, but it also has brought so many women in the industry together who otherwise maybe wouldn't know each other from different parts of the world, different parts of America, um, to form this like sisterhood of people who help each other, want to watch each other succeed, want to watch each other win. Um, and so <clears throat> for me, I'm proud just to be a part of it. Sure. Um, and so I won the Texas regional competition this year. Um, it's something I've been working hard for uh, three years now, I mm-hmm. guess it's three years three achieving years. a goal. Um, it felt really awesome. And, and with, and with very little sense of smell to, to yes. boot. So, yeah. uh, and just to be clear, it is uh, a competition that's all female oriented that started out of New York and actually right. does several stops around the country. They do about, I think, eight regions is where we're at. Mm. So it, they kind of change different cities so they can sure. yeah, we're check out different really... cities in e- within each region and support those gr- industries. Mm. We're in sort of a, a stage with the competition um, that started in 2012. We're kind of at a point where it's a very well-oiled machine from where it was, and not only in salience and traction for its cause and what its efforts are, but the attendance, the support from massive brands. The press coverage. Um, yeah, quite a bit of press coverage. Sure. The Yeah, marketing aspects around it. But also, yeah, what Sarah's talking about is it's bringing females out of the woodwork that otherwise wouldn't have a platform to succeed or be encouraged upon. And it's really started starting to create a round competition, which is a phenomenon to me, is we're putting women in a fiery pit to fight with one another, essentially, sure. to, to the right. champion. And because everyone we're teaching ourselves to, to 
champion other women in that in that practice is to be you know creative and and cooperatively competitive. <clears throat> so you know, this is actually a question I don't know the answer to. Uh, you're the regional champion. Is there going to be yes. a national thing? Yes. Uh, national finals are in Chicago in May. Okay. Um, it happens during the Chicago Style event, which is a really another really great platform beverage conference. That's kind of unlike anything I've ever been to. Um, I'm yeah, their slogan is equal super... parts drink, equal parts think. And so it's these really kind of advanced conversations about cultures and, and the, the trends that we're seeing in the craft and cocktail culture, really, but from sustainability and transparency to anything. Right. You know, we're seeing all sorts of really cool things happening, but go ahead. That's Chicago style. Chicago, drinkchicagostyle.com if you have uh, any questions. Yeah. <laughs> so we have some really good friends that have spearheaded that and it is a Yeah, I'm super excited to be up there for that again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, national finals. Uh, so they choose a winner and a wild card or well, the winner and a wild card that's chosen goes to the finals. And so to duke it out to be So who is the wild card here? Her name was Jessica Martinez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I know I love her. She's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> um, she she's from amazing. Dallas. She killed it. It was her first year competing and I was so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> so she came to Houston to compete against yes. you. So, so basically South central. So yeah. really it's sure. more than Texas. We say it's, Texas because in the past it's been sort of state-ish, but now we're talking about like pulling women from New Orleans, five surrounding states. How Tennessee. many people competed in Houston? They was about 26 that had submitted and went through yeah, um, so they, I think 24 they... 24 through prelims. Yeah, they accept 20, like she said, 24, 25. But I think they said about 80 people usually apply to each region. So sure. somewhere in that neighborhood. And there's an acceptance sort of situation. Yeah. So do you do a similar thing where I think it was Bacardi Legacy where you submit a drink recipe and then you they no, make it it's and a, decide... more of like a questionnaire application and you have to do like a little video. Sure. Yeah. So some people do a speed rack round, which is part of it. And sure. some people do like just a little blurb where they're talking about why they want to be a part of speed rack and stuff like that. So but just, just to give a background bit and to answer some stuff is that this is a competition that's built around your ability to execute classic cocktails. So you get cocktail recipes from a canon of about 150 drinks yep. that you're committed to learn and then intend to make it whatever style that you you have, right? So that's where the creativity plays in. It's not so much those competitions where we're seeing bartenders, you know, creating these beautiful cocktails that are their own. These are very much knowing history and understanding the anthropology of our craft cocktail culture right. and sort of being able to move and shake all over sure. that kind of canon. So uh, another question I, I don't know the answer to is the reference to it being called speed rack have anything to do with timing? Well, so oh. the, yeah, go ahead. Um, basically, yes. Uh, the idea is that you make four cocktails as quickly and as accurately as possible. So they basically time you. You go head-to-head against somebody else making the same four cocktails. Ideally, you want to finish first and fastest, uh, but they give penalties for dilution, wash line, if your garnish is pretty, Cleanliness. if you spilled stuff, how style of bartending, Engagement. if you're sloppy. Yeah. yeah. But there's it's like a triple entendre, right? So that's the speed aspect. And then there's speed rack. This is something that benefits women. Our, you oh, know, yeah. Rack being breast cancer, breasts, yeah. breast cancer awareness, speed rack. That's a funny little tongue-in-cheek. But sure. really what most people don't consider is that the well that we've That's what I thought it referred to specifically. It's called a speed rack. So yeah. the, where you're pulling your bottles from behind a bar is called a speed rack. So it's like a triple meaning. Sure. No matter how you look at it. Sure. Um, I, I didn't think it had a, a breast reference, but I guess that would be the most obvious. Duck, Chris. Makes specific sense. You know, drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I found some old, uh, Macallan 12 as well. I'm a, I'm a fan. This yeah. specific expression for Macallan, I talk about constantly. What? Um, the, the 12 Macallan is like the perfect introduction. Do you guys, I'll I know drink. we're not supposed to do Pete first, but I don't give a crap. I totally get like that like dry peaty texture, but it doesn't like, and it's the same when I drink mezcal. I don't get a smokiness. I have a ton of sinus issues too. I'm wondering, because I've never taken, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Allergy medicine? Mm -hmm. Uh, Pills kind of, besides ibuprofen, they kind of freak me out a little bit. I I had a friend in in high school try a sleeping pill and he slept for 18 hours so it, it freaks me the hell out so i know allergy medicine is not a sleeping pill <laughs> not exactly the same but, but but it's not really like <laughs> just something about the whole so i i constantly yeah. went asleep for a week yeah wake up a week later yeah. um but so yeah I, I i'm a little weird about but i i 
wanted to go to because I constantly am wiping my nose, and when I drink whiskey, it makes my nose run. Even on the show, I try to keep some some because you don't want to just sure. be wiping your nose constantly. Yeah, but, Sarah's got her bandana. Yeah. I live with a bandana in my pocket. Yeah. Uh. Hopefully not for much longer, though. No. I'm so and excited. I mean, after that, it's just like sort of like a Bruce Springsteen cool guy thing. Yeah. Like, who's that girl over there with the bandana? Yeah. <laughs> I still carry that chain wallet She's I was so talking cool. about earlier. Yeah. You've, I know you got your. He's wearing Jinkos. They're not. You guys can't see, but. Old Jinkos, not, like, not the barreled, new ones. They're not barreled Jinkos, but they're, you know, medium grade, wide leg. <laughs> the kind you'd see at a roller rink, not at a rave. I'm just kidding. So, you. Go in May, right? You said or yes. It, yeah, May. <clears throat> May. Um, which is two just months over two months a, yeah. from now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two months so from now. Soon. Are you excited? I'm so excited. How long are you there for? A week. A week. The competition is really only, really like two days, probably. But I will be there for the cocktail conference, and I'm trying to give myself lots of time on either end to enjoy Chicago. Sure. How many? I think I think if I saw from the website there was okay so if I guess if you were playing two from each region there was like eight 16. stops. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so sixteen competitors in the mm-hmm. national finals. And that'll get better through preliminary rounds. So all sixteen girls go against each other in sort of an open time fashion. Sure. The eight that do the best move on to actually compete. So that yep. becomes this March Madness sort of um, elimination seating. Sure. So what do you get if you win? Notoriety. Yeah. I mean, um assurance in her heart yeah that she's worked really yeah. hard yeah. and has earned something incredible yeah. i mean it's it's definitely remarkable yeah. i mean the fact that uh one i didn't know that there were i knew about these cocktail competitions i didn't know that there were any female cocktail competitions especially one that's apparently freaking huge it's i mean huge. it's a big deal yeah, yeah. and it yeah. and it didn't start that way but we have sort of a legacy to uphold which was why when i competed i was so adamant about getting the gold you know i did yeah. really well for my efforts and it yeah. wasn't the same because i wanted to make Yale Vingroff in LA proud, who's our predecessor here in Houston, who's still a dear friend and is managing all sorts of amazing programs. But she won the first one. And that was the last time before season five, when I touched national stage, that someone from Texas represented us. And we know Alba Huerta was up there with her and they placed yep. incredibly well. And she was part of the so judges, right? She'll her always and... be sort of a legacy. I, I, I mean, a judge as well in that sort of sense. It's like Alba sort of is still that sort of presence here in sure. Houston yep. of somebody that championed this competition. I mean, you want to talk about the strong female the voice in right. the industry. Yeah. I was definitely there. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of more of market-wise in Texas, we don't have the same sort of attention given that we see to LA and major sure. markets. Like maybe no, I've been talking about that for years. And so this gives somebody a chance to come out of what is maybe considered a second a small market, market or, whatever. or a tertiary yeah. market, which really is not true. Yeah. It is not it true. We are so huge cities with bustling, you know, cultural lifestyles and, yep. and, and it's, it's wild, but off my soapbox about it, <laughs> you'll have so much fun in Texas. Um, it does. It gives people an opportunity to make a name for themselves and their, the craft that they've created in places, right? Cause we're very sure. much products of our communities. Right. We are under the tutelage of, the same near same people or shared knowledge. And so you come up almost in this sort of trench with people and you have this instilled pride in the place that you come from. And Speed Rack allows you to represent that at a national playing field and make people look at you, make people understand that Houston yeah. is something, whether they've been there or whether they've read about it in the New York right. Times. So it's it's sort of fun to just like go in there with like your can. Especially when you're yes. killing it. Yeah. You know, I mean. <clears throat> that helps. Yeah. yeah. H-Town Vicious. H-Town Vicious. It, it, yeah. it drives me, you know, I've been saying for years, it, it drives me absolutely nuts how little attention Houston gets. Uh, that's that's definitely changing. I mean, within the consumer world, we're, we're killing it. We're, right. We're making uh, Dallas and Austin, uh, I almost said that Weep word, I can't feet. say. Uh, uh, but the, <laughs> Yeah, we better feet good. We better feet's good. Um, the the uh, <laughs> um, but in the bartending world, cocktail scene, it's there is this, uh, and you may know more than I do, but I, I still feel like Dallas and Austin gets more love than, or you know, or places like Chicago that gets more love. I know for sure New York. Definitely places like Chicago, New York. I think Houston, I think maybe we're starting to surpass the Austin, Dallas. I think that we should talk about Texas as a singular sort yeah. of struggle. Dallas and Austin and San Antonio they feel for this, that as well. San Antonio for where sure. I kind of got my boots wet. Was, we're all kind of, we fall in a margin of sorts. But it's it's that there are places between major markets on coasts or 
um, that have a lot of national sort of acclaim and attention that like are what? are killing it. Like like Tulsa, like Phoenix, Nashville, like Denver, yeah. like Nashville, like um, it's just it's it's wild. St. Augustine, Florida. I mean, there's all sorts of things happening in places that we're seeing a trickle effect. It's that somebody who had been influenced or taught in a market that is prevalent and incredibly competitive and maybe at this almost capped sure. echelon. There's opportunity to grow and investigate and innovate in smaller places where you're today introducing something like cocktails to a community. Right. And that's the fun in it is changing the landscape of, of the way that you the people around you celebrate or enjoy themselves or, you know, go out sure. with friends. And so that's really the importance is what are we doing to change the landscape of our cities? And we have so much fun in Houston. And that's kind of what bothers me is that that doesn't get talked about or enjoyed. Yeah, right? yeah. Do you think that there's room for or do you think it would water down the idea of a gender competition, a, a man versus woman? So there was this kind of um Because listen, real quick, I love Chris off. Morris, but I would love to see someone just wipe the floor with him just out of <laughs> Well, love and, and you know what? And it's one of those things where people do say that. They're like, oh, Chris won again. And I'm like, there's something to that. Like, yeah, sure. Chris knows exactly who he is and how he's perceived oh, yeah. and what he projects. And he knows who he is and that. he's going to tell you who he is. <laughs> well, and that's something to be said about that. Is right. I, I imagine the sure. way that Chris presents himself and uh, he's a friend of mine and he has this very bombastic sort of nature and he's bombastic. incredibly it's, confident. Yeah, it's perfect. And it's great. But that translates to the manner in which he performs sure. in cocktail competitions and creates drinks. And no matter what you want to knock it down or bash it, dude's winning. Yeah. So, yep. I'm, Listen, uh, he's I'm been okay. on the show multiple times. We are close friends. We, yeah. we give each other a hard time and it all started because he gave me a hard time and I just had to deal with it. So, uh, he, he's a fantastic guy. I love the guy, but mm -hmm. I, I do like the idea of just out of fun. I mean, we do, and this is so cheesy, but, I, I love I love uh, the newlywed game. Mm. My my wife doesn't have any friends that are girls. Don't say that. No 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 no. It's not. Hold on. Listen. Let me finish my sentence before I come off looking Making like a total jerk. Girlfriends are hard. That's why Sarah's like precious to me. My my wife doesn't like any other girls. That's I'll the, say it this hard. way. It's hard. It's hard to be a girlfriend. But she has five sisters. Yeah. And they're all super super close. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're really our couple. Uh, you know, like when you when you're a couple, you have couple friends. Like you know, sure. uh, is my wife's sister and and her husband Sean. We're we're really really close, and we like to kind of jokingly compete with each other a little bit. Yeah, that's and fun. we'll make constant jokes about uh, who's cute. Oh, this is so cheesy. I can't believe I'm saying this on the on there, but like who's cuter? You know, like when we're around each other, we'll like love on each other more, or we'll say things like, "Oh, you didn't know that about your husband," or so. <laughs> I, 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 as fun as that, as fun as that sounds to me in in that aspect, I love uh -huh. the idea of this. And listen, if there's there's two types of communities that are insanely close in Texas, and that's fraternities, the Aggies, and that horrible nonsense, and and bartenders. I like the idea of of you know going back to what we're talking about the the, the gender competition and, and and you know and this is something that I had committed to bringing up today because it was something that. I'm one of those people who uh, assumes the best in people. And being a woman in the industry or women in the industry, uh, you are going to see things that I'm just not going to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm always – I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm right. I'm more personally conservative. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not super – risky in life i'm wearing literally slippers right now um uh, they're they're tom knockoffs right they're they're, phones. they're listen if, <laughs> they're if if i could afford a pair of crocs they'd be crocs um no i i'm 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 very traditionally minded um but i'm i'm very liberal thinking as far as like i want people to do what they want uh, if you your life is your life but i've always been kind of uh, when you hear things in the media, like for instance, uh, how women get attacked on podcast is is a is a prevalent thing that I'm noticing more lately. And I told you I was going to bring this up. Uh, you did an episode of a, a tremendous show that's actually extremely popular called Scotch Test Dummies. I did. I and had a great time. The moment I heard you were on it, I was first I was a little jealous because this is this is Elise's mine. This is our show. <laughs> Um, but I, 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 I watched it and those guys are so great. They're out of Tulsa. I think mm. they've got like a hundred thousand followers some, right. or 11,000 followers. They got two, 
three countries were tuned in. It was they're, wild. I mean, they're they're ri- they're ridiculously popular Scotch guys, and it's just two older white dudes who just love to drink and are kind of funny and kind of they're so funny. Yeah, it and I I watched it and I did I bumped my mouse or something and I scrolled to the comments. I was so pissed off. <laughs> like within three comments, I was like, oh. I got pissed off and I'd started like fighting on your behalf. Like I yeah. wanted to say F you, but I can't because it says my channel name. Yeah. It says whiskey neat. Like yeah, if I'm, I'm glad like, that you didn't also because we, you, you sponsored the show. Yeah. Was, was really, it was. So at, at, being who I am, I always, when people talk about, and please don't read it. I'm going to just say this and then let me shape it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it and then let me shape it. Um, when people talk about like racism and, and the way, People are so sensitive nowadays. I always think it's not as bad as people are saying it. We're just refusing to put up with it anymore, so we're very loud about it. Right. Um, I don't. I think we're better now than ever, but we're not. We're not there. We, there's still many ways that we need to improve. But when I know that when people say racism doesn't exist anymore, that's not true. I know that's not right. true. But I didn't. I, I see a lot of times people will say stuff, and people will assume uh, whether it's prejudice or or. Gender stereotypes. Am I making sense? Misogyny is what you're yeah, misogyny. Moving towards. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm slowly moving that racism, way. But wait, yeah, I'm, I'm just anything that's 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 ridiculous. Like that's archaic, and I can't believe yeah, it's like, a part. Nobody of Nobody really acts like that anymore. Well, well we I, don't see it often enough. I really didn't think it was that bad until I saw those comments, and that mm. I I got so mad on your behalf. The guy, you, you're an extremely knowledgeable person, and I say this: look, you, you sponsor the show. I take money from you, but that's I can. Yeah, I, I've said, well, I'll say what I, I want. I only sponsor the show because we have a great relationship and we have a lot of fun conversation about our love for whiskey, and that's why. I so me defending you. you had nothing to do. I'm not paying do. you yes, to correct. be my bulldog. Right. Correct. But she it doesn't is nice to have a bulldog. It. I just didn't realize it was uh, how. So we had a situation on this show mm-hmm. uh, where. Uh, and you, I'll say her name because I don't know her, but I'm sure y'all know her. Her name is Kip Scampy, or was her Facebook name? It's changed. So uh, the the day that an episode aired with Dwayne Fernandez mm-hmm. and Zachary Cherbach, uh, the day it aired, she had commented on my page. Someone locally that's in the industry, she's got dyed hair. I, I don't know her real name, but her Facebook name was Kip Scampy for a minute. Uh, she had just made some comment about the show being mostly white people and no there's is there a better cross section of the society than just are all just scotch whiskey drinkers white guys it was the day the episode aired with Dwayne Fernandez yeah I was like we've got a two gay guys and like you know right and 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 Zach was like does she not know like did she not watch the episode the point was is I, I remember writing that off as like that's just so silly like we have a very diverse people uh cast on the show but we had uh Myra aside, you know, Myra aside, yeah, she got kind of ripped apart by a guy in one of our reviews mm-hmm. saying that she didn't know anything. And she knows exactly, she knows she's been doing this forever. She knows right. exactly what she's talking about. Right. And just, I just was so shocked to see the comments kind of, mm-hmm. now the show's great. It's not the, the guy's fault. Right. Um, but I, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is I, I just didn't realize it was this prevalent and you being your position with McCallan in mm-hmm. the state. And now that you're do you run into that often? Is that something that you know? And it's different. And I love to say that one of my one of the aspects that I find great joy in for my job is that I get to change the the expectations for the landscape around really iconic products and you know a class of spirit that, despite what we want to believe about being contemporary and new age and woke, um, still does very much cater to an, an archaic kind of ideal about consumer, right? Like we sure. imagine a certain person doing a certain thing based on what it is. Scotch isn't all that different and neither is whiskey. I mean, you said it's not unheard of that there are still chapters in the state of whiskey enthusiasts that don't allow women to join. I mean, it's just something I I find it all over the is place. Is that the one in Dallas? Um, I won't say where it is, but it's something there, that... There is one. I remember seeing that and yeah, we, I didn't join because I thought it was stupid. And I'm allowed to attend if I'm presenting, but I'm not necessarily allowed to attend if I'm an enthusiast, which... So, you present i would i would refuse to present. so i won't talk much about my interaction with them of course i will support them and what sorry. they do and uh, at the bottom of the at sorry the, to put you on the spot end of the day what that tells me is if i'm allowed to attend to present it means that at least they recognize that i come with an expertise and that's a nice gesture however archaic it may be sure. about their enrollment policies however i also worked in country clubs growing up i'm no new um you know i'm not 
naive to sorts of systems that are interesting sure. enough when you're a woman. But um, and the thing that and sorry to interrupt you, uh, especially when I told you at the beginning that, that I interrupted you, you a lot. Um, there, <laughs> there, I I've noticed a a large swing across the board with representatives in the face of markets and it, female being mm-hmm. largely uh, very well spoken females who know exactly what you're drinking. It's not just some. Um, well, sure. You know. I mean, there's, I mean, Marie Curie was a scientist. It's, this is science. This is distillation. If you pick up a book and you study something well enough to understand it at a boiled down and minimal level, you can't go wrong. Really what I'm doing is I'm expressing my love and my enthusiasm about a science that's also an anthropology, that's also, you know, a, a culture of, of entertainment to people that I think share it. And when I'm hit back with what we're talking about, which was my first kind of instance of like heavy bashing. And and I had a friend, and I won't say who, read me the comments because I was afraid to touch them. Um, I had them start. And I I went to art school. I, was, I studied fine art and painting. And we had critique all the time. That was part of how you structured right. yourself sure. as somebody that received. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. So we would put work up just to have people either physically, literally, or you know, through words, tear it down. And you commit to always evolving. There's always room for potential growth and opportunity. But really what I wanted to do was see if I could handle what I expected to it be was critique. Brutal. Right. Um, and it wasn't really critique, but it went back to me justifying that we're in the age of internet bullies. And so this is somebody's only platform of voice. Like the internet is the whistle that we give to that first time referee. And it's no surprise that we hear them blow it the entire game is you give somebody an opportunity to have a guise of power and it gets spun out of control. And really what it makes me feel is I'm a little sad for the people that have some really, really harsh things to say. Um, outside of the line of critique or positive feedback because really that's what you can give to me otherwise it's something I'll pass over I just don't I'm not here to it's to give life to those sorts of negativities do you know what I mean I don't want to breathe any air to that I've said I've said this before on the show I know anytime you are the face of anything you're putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. and you're gonna get you're gonna catch all kinds of things right anytime you throw a net you're gonna pull back whatever you grab Uh but as a Person, I also I don't need everyone to like me. I don't need everyone to like the show, but I I do. Uh, it does eat me a little bit when mm-hmm. when I feel like someone doesn't understand intention or something I said came across the wrong way. As maybe sure. uh, you know, like I we had, during that episode with Myra, I had, had misspoken about Lagavulin something I said, and I I know Lagavulin like the back of my head. Me I know I know Isla whiskey's like the back of my head hand. I don't even know the saying. What? Back of my hand. Back, you can't um, see the back of your head, which means you don't know it well, I think. <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> but back of my hand is the saying. I'm an idiot. And uh, it, But just when when you say stuff and you don't – you know you know you know what you're talking about. The episode last week, uh, or I, I guess if you're watching this, it was two weeks ago with Lecheg and Tobermory. Mm-hmm. We had specifically yeah, that was a good one. I love Tobermory. We, I, we had specifically mentioned Edredauer in the show. I know Matt is the I, – I know uh, Total Beverage Solutions handles Edra Dower. I work with them all the time. I know that that's not Terlato and Distel. But because we had mentioned them on the show when we did the intro, I mentioned specifically today we got to try Tobermory, Edra Dower. Mm-hmm. And that was a complete brain fart. So yeah, I, yeah, I hate you, that term. I wish it was a better term up. for that. But I, I misspoke. But when people watch the show and they expect you to know what you're talking about, and you misspeak, and they just assume idiot. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like, but I think that you're also maybe critiquing yourself a little bit too far. I don't think that a lot. Oh, of sure. I'm a big baby. I have super that. thin skin. And and if, and if anything, I can take is that most often than not, people aren't going to critique you on the reality of you know what you could have done to improve. That's not what they're there to shout about, especially on the internet. They're not here to be like, hey, you almost did a really great job. My suggestion is A, B, and C. You killed it. It's it's to rip I'm not your going to watch yeah. this. I'm yeah. going to assume something. And reality is it's sort of one of those things where it's like, well, I wasn't, that's the internet. And I took a few things out of it. Yeah, I can dissect the the negativity and I can, you know, wade through some of the air around the words. But like I learned that I maybe speak too quickly or that I say um too much. But certainly it isn't to fill a gap where there isn't information. It sure. just is a habit of It's rattle. a habit of everybody, yeah. Um, I just did it. So thank you to um, don't, any, don't think to those any haters. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but what I mean to say is it's it's something that's telling if you can allow it to not 
to not hurt you. Um, and that's interesting because that gives the power back to you in a sense. It's like they were there to intentionally knock you down. And if you don't, then you win. I, I, I wanted to acknowledge that. I, sure. I just didn't know that it could be that freaking archaic and well, shitty. I appreciate sort of the spectrum that we've covered today. We're here to congratulate and celebrate and get a little light shed on what Sarah has achieved here. And, and that is through the... The speed opportunity rack. to use a platform like right. Speedrack to enhance yourself and to expose yourself and to grow and to and to learn, right? And well, then we've also sort of talked about the dark end of other parts. Is yeah. not in no industry is there anything perfect, and we're all learning and we're growing. And it's the things like Speedrack and our accessibility, like our our ability to, to attend and to support those things that make what we just talked about, like the critique and the breaking down or the undertones of misogyny a little bit easier to stomach is that we now live in an age where there's something to combat that and something right. to discuss it and to talk about it and to say that it's not okay. Sure. And to tell it to be quiet on the internet. Well, which and, and, and I, I, you and I had already discussed this through text messaging. I didn't bring this up specifically today just because we're here, but because I knew that Speedrack was all female. I know that in the industry, you guys, uh, you guys, you women are faced with a certain side of things you that gals. we, you gals, that that we may not see all the time. Aside from the the sexual stuff, right? I mean, that's a, a huge problem. But I, I just I thought it would be a perfect time to discuss because again, you just assume life's good because life's good, and right. then you don't realize that for other people, it's not always as great. So, well, yeah, and I I, I don't know. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to be incredibly um, supported in our communities and given opportunities to work alongside prominent men and women in our industries. We haven't at all had it hard. Even when I was coming up in San Antonio, there weren't a lot of women behind the bar, but there were just as many men that were willing to make that happen sure. and to make that change. And I can't say that I've had it any harder than anyone else, but I am more aware through either, you know, my kinetic personal experiences with men behind the bar as a bartender or, yeah, kinetic, knock it out, Um, or through speed rack and the support. Or, you know, you even find people come out of the woodwork to bash speed rack. Well, why isn't there a speed rack for men? There is, and it's called speed sack. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah, it's like a a parody of the sort, but sort of similarly, it raises money for, you know, testicular cancer. So um, I don't really... Is there really one called speed sack? Speed sack. I haven't really been following it, and I don't know that it's kept up with trend. It was probably popular. And like yeah. season five was when the guys were doing we're it. We're doing it and more frequently. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's they not something to be it. exclusive. It's something to create inclusivity with something that would otherwise seem exclusive. Like breast cancer doesn't just affect women. No. It affects everybody. Yeah. If you've known anyone that suffered from any kind of cancer, especially breast cancer, it's the men in their lives. It's the women in their lives. It's them themselves. It's the gender that they identify with despite their biology. So it's not something that is inclu- it's exclusive. And so what Speedrack is really great about is taking something that's serious and crummy like breast cancer and making a party and a platform to celebrate it, but also empower people sure. and that sort of guys. It's like really awesome. But yeah, no, I completely agree. No, yes. no, it's good. You stay there. <laughs> and I mean, like, I became closer, even closer friends with you when I started doing practices. I saw you doing practices and I was like, this looks like fun. Like, I want to be a yeah, part so, of this. So when and I like, was doing season five, Sarah was coming to my practices a lot. And then season six, we trained together. And yep. Sarah got to the semifinals the year that I won and then went on to play second in nationals. And so when I came back from where I'd gone in the in the competition second to best was good enough for me and you were that working at anvil i was working at bad news bar and well actually i worked bad news bar when i went to nationals for the first time when i actually trained to achieve you know the greatest Winning. my success in that yeah. in that journey was when i was at tongue cut sparrow so i was under the tutelage of bobby and peter yankee and sarah and i were doing practices with um, our good friend Lindsay over at the grand prize bar sure so we had kind of gone rogue with it and i was working at this really meticulous cocktail bar where service and slow hospitality was the quintessence of it. Right. And on the weekends, I was in, in the upstairs bar at Grand Prize just grinding as fast as I could to get drinks made. And so we were practicing together. And then when I did what I did, I said, that's it for me because we need to move out of the way and make sure. way for other women. Um, I got really serious with Sarah about training. So we trained all the way through last season, season seven. and um, that was- Just for clarity's sake, seasons are done by the year. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And so May is usually a final. So Sarah's now in season eight where she's now one. Uh, South Central regions, and we'll go on to compete at nationals. So sweet, yeah, she's killing it. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to be able to smell. Yeah. And and so (laughs) perfect that we're tasting this really quick and we'll knock it out really. This is. I want to taste this now and I want to taste this almost when I can smell. (laughs) The thing about the edition series is, in case you're following it at home, is we're we're kind of talking about our our senses, the sensory investigation of the whiskey that we make, the, you know, the arguably the perfect Macallan, right? So when we think about whiskey, we think about natural color, we think about the wooden maturation, we think about um, the type of pots or stills that we're using to create, whether it's an unctuous or a thin nature in our new make spirit. So all these things, but unctuous. Mm -hmm. I actually knew that word already. Get that one in there. So the edition series breaks it down in these sort of categorical ways that we think about it. So we smell it, we taste it, right? So we've done partnerships with phenomenal shops. We've looked at the whiskey through the lens of like specific cask use only, whether it's through a specific cooperage or a particular sherry bodega for seasoning or one type of wood between American and European oak. So we're looking at it under a microscope, if you will. This one is edition three, my favorite by far. Color is beautiful. Um, it's incredibly attractive, but it's delicious whiskey. It's a little bit higher in octane, 48.3%. Um, and it's a partnership or a collaboration with a master perfumer where oh, we cool. created the whiskey essentially under the idea that the our smell. nose, yeah, our, <clears throat> our what, olfactory yeah. is so important to it that let's create a whiskey through that, guys. So sharing it with you as somebody that hasn't had this heightened sensibility, but all of the success that one would expect with that sense, it's it's quite nice to share it. And yeah, you get a bottle and you come yeah, out of surgery. If, if I had known uh, that you couldn't smell it, I, I specifically grabbed this one because of the smell. But we tried through the, the additions and the, the fourth, I thought, I think was my favorite on the palate. The but this one, uh, when I tried with Ben, you know all all marketing words aside, it legitimately had this incredible nose. Floral, right? it, the the nose was very distinguishably different. Sure. Um, uh, distinguishably is my big word for the day, mm. and uh, it was just remarkable. Uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't know because what what I've asked Sarah and we've hung out a lot, and I've kind of had many an hour to pick her brain about this it's sort of like this phenomenon to me and like tell me what you taste right now what's in your mouth can you smell anything so i've asked her a lot about it and i've also kind of watched her struggle through her sinus problems for a long time yeah she's miserable 90 percent of the time and yet she just powers through but what i think i like to imagine sarah is like dc comics daredevil like sure she doesn't have a sense of smell but like (laughs) maybe she sees the whiskey differently or her pinpoints on her palate are a bit stronger in ways that i wouldn't perceive and so i don't think about it as in in, you know a her experience of the whiskey doesn't inhibit her from experiencing it It just changes the way that she's interacting with it sure right yeah completely yeah Yeah. it's like i said i texture and balance and acidity and creaminess and all of that is not something that's lost on me and that's truly how I've been able to like put cocktails on a menu for can I ask if you're excited or are you a little bit upset that like you're gonna have to give up your x-ray vision in the next couple of weeks to (laughs) get your sense of smell well and it's it's not x-ray vision it's x-ray hearing oh do you have any I think because I will I overhear every and I just tell people oh it's I'm a good bartender because I'll hear them talking about food and I'm like oh you would like a baked french feta got you and they're like how did you (laughs) how did you hear that I'm like it's I'm a bartender. <laughs> do you have uh, Do you have a specific drink of choice? I've noticed that although the Houston's going through the specific whiskey boom, uh, I notice a lot of uh, bartenders. Instead of using the word mixologists, uh, the the Chris Morris's, the Zachary right. Cherbox, the Sarah Troxels, they. Uh, that they're not necessarily, or Terry's a good example. Whiskey is probably the most boring category for him. It's not really his thing. Um, And, you know, when people ask me what I like to drink at home, my answer is usually whiskey in a cup, which yeah. is not far from the truth. Um, But <clears throat> whiskey was definitely probably my first love, and I think sure. I've kind of still enjoy whiskey Bourbon, on, on the regular. Rye, I've always been a rye, a rye girl. girl. Really? I've really yeah. been, a, yeah. If and you I'm, belly up to Sarah's bar and she offers you a, a nip of something, it's expect a bonded rye. Yeah. Sure. You're probably going to go blind. Sure. So have you tried uh, Old Forster's new 100 proof rye? I haven't actually. Oh, it's very good. Oh, wow. It's very good. Um, but I've moved into a new bada appreciation whoa, of, and Hey, love Jamie for... Bell. Shout out. Love Jamie. <laughs> Yeah, that's their new. It's like twenty bucks. We tried on the show this what? week. Opened it with yeah. Uh, it's, it's up in arms right now. It's like our. It's an argument on the internet. I mean, everybody hates each their own. But this, this is, is going to give Rittenhouse a run for its money. Okay. It's a, it's the bar price point, right? Okay. People well, talk about, and I love yeah. you know every once in a while Wade does offer a nice nugget of of, of uh, well 
Sometimes he's not Don't the worst. Um, he, uh, but he had this this whole discussion in the forum recently about this specific bottle and why it was priced so low. The the let's face it, on premise builds brands. Yeah, and you want a successful that brand. That is wild to hear somebody that is n- not in our industry in, or in the supplier side right, of this say this. Say, this is like yeah. marketing one hundred and one is big suppliers like on-premise builds brands we get in the wells we do sure. these things and, and it's i mean it's true because when you go out you take the advice of somebody for a drink and it's your bartender and right you're gonna sure. order that drink forever because you trust them right or yeah. you're gonna go look for that bottle because you liked it well yeah. i think brown foreman pulled it uh you know pull one out of the rabbit's hat or whatever whatever you say i'm not good with sayings today i don't I, listen he i've been up one off all- the back of his head <laughs> i have been <laughs> awake for 20 what's what time is it right now it's it noon yet yeah, yeah it's almo- night, it's okay, night, so almo- almost, almost twenty four hours. I've been awake for almost twenty four hours. So forgive my sayings, but um, the the key here uh, is a is in a wholesale. It's probably going to be closer to nineteen bucks. It's a very barley. It's the the malted barley is a secondary grain. It's a very bizarre mash bill, but it's so weird. But it's awesome. Twenty bucks. That mash grain mash bill. That's going to give Rittenhouse a run for its money, which is you know, who doesn't love Rittenhouse and a great cocktail bar? Well, because it's a it's a that's. Hundred proof rye. Historical kind yeah. of an aspect Open to our now, drinking culture. When you get right? that, well, for them, that's I love awesome. Rittenhouse. I love Overholt Bonded, but I love them for different reasons, and I suspect I'll love this for a different reason. Like Rittenhouse sure. is a, my favorite whiskey for tiki cocktails. It is banana and toffee and sure. But Overholt, I like because it's drier and sharper and punchier and like boozy cocktail. yeah. So, Rye is interesting because you can kind of the spec. There's a spectrum there with bourbon. It's very bourbony, no matter right. what it is. Uh, sure. Rye and Scotch has a whole plethora of palate, right. uh, not a palate, but a, a painter's palate right. of choices to go through on the the, the right. color wheel. I, right. got, I got that. That was right. a really great sort of yeah. That was a nice little metaphor that yeah, you used. You know, I'm Did you do that it. for me because I was, mentioned that I studied art? Listen, I I, I have a very tertiary sense of uh, anxiousness, so I, I do what I, I do what I can tangentially. Tangentially apropos, um, the I I think it's uh, going back to on-premise builds brands. I think it's some brands because plantation. Although I know plantation's perfect for the bar. Uh, Doc's freaking loves us right now. Greg's great. We're buying it by the barrel. I mean, we're 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 absorbing as much of the rum as possible. Now that started, it became popular. There's no doubt in my mind. On premise, I mean, Plantation got its start because one, the price point; two, every bar can do so much with sure. anything. Well, and it also had it was piggybacking the success and the and the trust that we had built into the cognac that the Maison Ferrand is phenomenal cognac and so it was easy to trust the people you're one of those people that puts a little bit of accent on the on the words that you know are cognac yeah yeah Yeah, i'm not very good at missile from there's a girl i work with au contraire mon ami i loved plantation before before yeah before (laughs) it became popular on facebook before it went platinum um i I don't know if i've told the story on the show but there's a, a woman i work with who is hispanic in origin but she was born and raised here in texas mm-hmm. with a no accent whatsoever mm-hmm. just clear as day and in in the industry i work in in aviation you have to call other countries constantly sure and when you call central america and you want to speak to someone or, or south america and you want to speak to someone from paraguay or uruguay is what how Uruguay. we would say it nope yep so she <laughs> she she'll she'll slip in and out of a really thick accent uh, hey, you know, this is Catherine. I'm calling from Universal. Uh, I'm calling the handler down in Uruguay. And I'm like, whoa, it's like slow down there. Uh, like she'll throw but that. But that's, that's how you say yes. that, that country. Right? I, I know that's and how so, they say it there. But when you learn Spanish and you say things like Uruguay, you're corrected because it's not even like if you're just talking about noun- pronouncing a way that a vowel and a consonant relate to one another in a word. It's said It depends on what – and a lot of people don't know this. Not that there's anything wrong with, with personal choice. Sure. But – You can choose to roll your R's. The, the, the way right? The way language works regardless of language is you speak in that language. Although like that's, how, thing. that's how they say it. Oh. Like what do, what do people call that country just west of France? <laughs> With all the where Christopher Columbus comes from, yeah. What do we call it? Spain. What do they call it? España. Right. No. But, but are you but wrong by saying? But I think that that's the difference of I. Th- this is a rabbit hole that we can't go down because oh, neither got, of us we, are language listen, This is my show. Let's do it. I studied Spanish, and so it was hard for me to do that. But like when I do speak Spanish, and I get ripped on it a lot too. It's like 
I'll go straight into something or I'll say something. And if you're speaking Spanish, and people are like, where did that come from? Yeah, you did that on the last episode. I had to go back and the caption guy was like, I don't know what she's saying. It's my responsibility to respect what I'm studying or talking about in the way that I would want to speak to somebody from that place. And so I, I, it's a show of respect of sorts. And I totally understand that. It's like a habit, right? Like, I, I've just been in situations where I would rather say it in the way that it's expected to be said. In so what place. do you call this state that we're in right now? Texas. What do people of South Florida call it? Texas, because that's how it's spelled and that's how it's pronounced. That's I mean, how it was called the first. The best argument that right? I want to say that's, is That was like, his original name. So when we talk about hibiscus tea, Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah. Jamaica is the way that in Mexico we say the country Jamaica. That's oh, really? Jamaica. So it's an announcement. Isn't that a, like a vegetable or something? It's a it's the hibiscus flower that you steep and you create a tea. It's hib- hibiscus, so it's great for your renal no, system. It's a delicious cocktail ingredient. Uh, it's bright pink, and it's jamaica. But we were saying essentially the way. Jamaica was like a like a like a. So there's a there's a um, like a. Are you thinking of jicama? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Jicama is a root. Yes, it's white root. That's what I'm gonna say. A white root, like yeah. a bar- I almost said bark. Yeah, I, I didn't want to sound stupid. It's a root. I said it anyways. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, that's all, that's, that's that's all I'm saying. Like, is, what's the argument there is like somebody was saying jalapeno. this thing that they were reading a little bit differently than the way that we would say it if we read it based on the language that we've been taught. And so who's wrong? It's like chicken before the egg sort of situation. Yeah. And that's I why I say just, that no one's wrong as long as you're speaking whatever language you're speaking. And quite honestly, it makes me feel like exotic when I say it. I'm like, hey, I could really use I a glass of Jamaica. Um, <laughs> another word you taught me last time you were on the show? Bodega. Bodegas. I didn't know what a bodega was. It's the house that creates sherry. But also the places in New York that... Where you can get anything at four in the morning. It's the corner stores, delis. Yeah. Learn something new every day. So the word of the day is bodega. We've (laughs) filled our four segments. That was super fast. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This Uh, was really fun. I want you to taste the... Right. We'll get to that in a minute, but we'll do it off camera. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Chris. Uh, This is my favorite part of life is just being able to do this and just hang out with you guys. No, really, truly. Thank you for having us on. I know. It feels like we're just hanging out on the bar. Cheers.